Welcome to the So What's Next podcast, a podcast for Bennies and Johnnies, by Bennies and Johnnies, answering some of the biggest questions and making meaningful connections between alums and the world around us. podcast helping alums and students navigate uncertain futures through stories and narratives from those who have experiences to share. Through the lessons and success of individuals in this community, we hope this podcast will serve as an avenue for education and connection to the big questions you have in your life and bring new perspectives and outlooks in this particularly unique time, from Collegeville and St. Joe to the coasts and everywhere in between. It goes without saying that today's topic affects all of us in one way or another, and I would venture to say that it affects many of us sooner than we may think. That topic is none other than personal finance. Having basic personal financial skills is one of the most important things you can do to live a healthy, happy, and secure life. Our level of understanding around the fundamentals of budgeting, saving, debt, and finance impact every part of our lives, starting at a much earlier age than many of us realize. Yet, even though personal finance is widely considered one of the most important aspects of successfully navigating through life, many people never become sufficiently educated on its many different components. Understanding and successfully executing personal finance is hard enough without unforeseen circumstances and difficulties, and COVID-19 has made what is already difficult for many that much harder. Nearly everyone is managing hardship in some capacity. Individuals are losing jobs and wages that they have been counting on with no guaranteed return to a stable state. With 2020 in the rearview mirror and the end of the pandemic, fingers crossed, in sight, there's a lot of economic damage to be assessed. But there's also a lot of personal financial lessons we can learn, lessons that will put us in good stead whatever the economic future holds. Thankfully, there are people out there like Professors Boz Bostrom and Ben Trinka that can help make these ever-important topics much more digestible and answer some of the biggest questions in understandable ways. So, let's get into it. Welcome to the show, Ben and Boz. Thanks, Andrew. We are excited to be here. It's been a while since we've done a podcast, and uh, it's going to be pretty awesome to get back at it. We used to have an international one, and COVID shut us down. I'm excited to hop into it. The topic that we're here to discuss today is personal finance, in particular for young alums coming out of St. Ben's and St. John's. Many of us begin our financial journey in different stages. To start us off, let's say that this podcast was only five minutes instead of 35 minutes. If each of you had two key pieces of advice you could give to young alums in starting their financial situations, what would it be? I guess the first piece of advice I would say is understand your financial position. And so a lot of times I feel like it's almost scary, right? Or intimidating or we're afraid of what we're going to see because we don't know. And so just embracing that, we can talk about what it means to understand your financial position, but having that understanding I think is probably the number one piece of advice I would have right now. And I'll piggyback off that because I was going to say, put together a budget where you're going to be living under your means. And I think understanding the situation that kind of goes hand in hand with that. So put Perfect. together a situation plan where you've got some excess cash. And I'm going to piggyback off your piggyback, right? Ooh, <laughs> so. I like that. I like that. Um, I don't know how that physically would work, but with this, um, so you have your financial position, you have a budget built and have that budget guided towards financial goals. 
And those financial goals that you have, they're your own, right? Don't let somebody else dictate it. Whatever your goals are, make sure you have that plan that helps you achieve your own goals. And I'll kind of piggyback, the piggyback, the piggyback on that one. And I will say related to that financial goal, what had come to my mind was just max out your retirement contributions early. And uh, that's one of the financial goals I'm sure you were thinking about. And Because if, if you start doing that at a young age and you all always just uh, dump in the max amount that you can into retirement, you're going to accumulate some, uh, some very nice wealth when you get down the road. Right, right. If And you guys bring up a couple of really good points and they fall in line with my next question and, and it involves action steps, right? What about folks that are early in their personal financial journey and they don't necessarily understand, you know, contributing to a Roth IRA versus 401k contributions and taking these folks that aren't as versed versus folks that are more well-versed um, or more advanced in their understanding of their personal financial journey or wealth creation. We've all seen dozens of different companies, ads, um, commercials about all of these financial service companies, bloggers with advice, Twitter, Reddit, YouTube, what are some good resources that you recommend for people at different stages and their understanding of the things that you just discussed? Well, it's tough to beat Reddit. We'll just say that. I mean, they call it GameStop and look at what happened with GameStop. So um, no, but that, that type of investing that you get on some of those is, is usually pretty active investing, right? The idea of picking stocks, buying and selling. And so when I'm talking about personal finance, in general, I don't recommend any of that type of thing. It's fun with like fun money. It's entertainment. You know, if you lose it, who cares? But we're talking about the serious stuff with retirement. Um, I think what's important is to start with that budget, like Bob was talking about before, and leverage technology to do that for you. So there's plenty of apps out there that can track your spending. You know, you, you put in your information, and then anytime, say, you get an expense, it pops up on your phone, you classify it into an area. And that way you don't have to necessarily stress about, I've never done budgeting. Where do I, what categories do I use? How do I do it? It, it essentially does it for you. And after you've done that for a little while, you can start then building a plan based off of that. So that's getting to what I was saying before. You understand where you are financially, and then you can have a plan based off of that. And so, I mean, I have more on what should be included in that plan, but Boz, I want to give you a chance to jump in too. You know, there's, there's, because as you're alluding that there's so much out there, you just have to, I think you just have to pick something to get educated and then you can build from there. I'm taking my kids who are 19 and 17 through a book called Broke Millennial. I didn't write the book. I don't get any commissions or royalties off of it, <laughs> um, but I, I really enjoyed it. You know, it's practical. Uh, the lady who writes it is kind of salty and uh, just kind of tells it how it is. So, you know, I think if you did something like in, in any book, right? But Broke Millennial is an example. Read it through, you know, sp spend a few hours on it. Now you've got a base knowledge. And now when you go to Reddit or something like that, you can expand in different areas. Uh, so just build the core knowledge and then expand. And, and that's funny that you said Broke Millennial. Because like when we, I was thinking about what to say, I wrote down two books and one of them was Broke Millennial. I had my students read that as an extra credit opportunity. Just personal finance, it's like a passion. And so I think it's important that we have some baseline understanding. Did and you get that idea from me of the book? No, you, you got it from me. I, I went to a bookstore and I saw it sitting on the shelf. I did not get it from you. I got it Andrew's from Google. Lying. I got it from Google, gave it to Boz, and Boz takes all the credit for it. Um, Either way, for book. those with prospective students, you can hear it here first. Boz and Ben are going to teach your kids on personal finance. <laughs> Send them to St. Ben's and St. John's. Um, but... So yeah, no, uh, Broke Millennial is an excellent book. I Will Teach You to Be Rich is another one that I liked. And specifically what I liked about it is that it laid out rough percentages of what to do with your monthly income in really broad buckets. Nice. And it's, 
I didn't love some of his examples. And again, this isn't a book review, but the underlying concepts, I, I appreciated what he did with that. And in particular, um, the idea for, you know, nerds like Boss and myself of guilt-free spending. And that like, it's okay to, you don't have to save every penny. You should save plenty, right? Set yourself up. Mm-hmm. But once you've taken care of the basics, then you should spend guilt-free and not worry about that. Andrew, what do you like to guilt-free spend on more than anything? Is there something that jumps to your mind that you would just? Yeah, like I mean, it, it changes over the years. I I'm still pretty close with my my Benny and Johnny friends that I graduated with. So you know, a, a stop at the local uh, watering hole every once in a while yeah. is 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 the guilt free spending that I I think I I stick to um, as much as I can. My parents might tell you it's clothes and other things, but I try to I try to stay away from that as much as possible. Eating out's a, eating out's a big one when you think of personal budgets. I mean, that's an area you you could um, save thousands of dollars in a year if you needed to clean up your budget. But Ben's point is well taken. You have to have some room in there for a little guilt free free spending. Otherwise, you'll never control it, and you'll just blow everything. It's yeah. What's the point of making so much money if you don't actually enjoy it? You know, at the end of the day, I guilt free right. spend on accounting shirts. I was gonna make that right. joke about you. He's got about <laughs> six thousand accounting shirts. For him, not I to may sell. be able to see them back there. Is that what I'm <laughs> noticing behind you? That's <laughs> right. Accounting shirts. Right. Yep, there it is. He's got racks yep. and yep. racks of accounting shirts. <laughs> <laughs> so this guilt, this idea of guilt-free spending is interesting because I may argue that some people have started to leverage the accessibility of wealth generation tools as a form of guilt-free guilt-free spending. So we touched on it briefly earlier, but with the emergence of apps like Robinhood, Public, M1 Finance, um, and these educational platforms that we've also touched on as well, the many now have access to what historically only the few could do. So active trading, learning, and access to the stock market. Yet, as the last few months have shown us, and, and we touched on this a bit already, there's still a lot we can learn about leveraging these tools to our benefit rather than treating them irrationally as if they were guilt-free spending tools. Um, how do you see this trend of large amounts of people taking control of their own finances and investments evolving? What are some of the red flags and the green flags that you've seen in recent trends? Can I go first on this one? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So um, it's Ben and Boz, not Boz and Ben. <laughs> well, it could be Boz and Ben. I'm fine with that. Um, one, I guess one area that I think is a major benefit of, you know, bringing the, the technology and what you can do with finances is automating your finances. And what that means is checks direct deposit into your bank account. Okay, that's been happening forever. And then from that bank account, you can fund an IRA. Oh, you don't even think about it. You can just set it up every day a paycheck comes in, you fund your IRA with that paycheck. Boom, it's gone off the top. And then you have to pay the cable bill and the electric bill and the water bill automated. Boom, it just goes out right away. Emergency savings, another thing we haven't talked about, but that you should be building up. You can put that into a separate high yield checking account, another advancement of technology, no physical bank. So you get higher interest rates from a completely online bank. And so with everything being automated, it makes it, I think, a lot easier to save and put money away. And you have it all set up where anything left over, then you've automated everything out. Anything left over is automatically your guilt-free bucket. So I think that's a huge benefit. And that could be part of that automation is maybe you enjoy playing with stocks on Robinhood. And so you automate every month, you know, hundred bucks or something goes into Robinhood and then you can invest it there. So it, it connects everything and allows you to establish a plan and a pattern that works for your lifestyle, which I think is really fun. Mm-hmm. 
I'll start with a quick risk and then piggyback on the uh, automate using that word too much. I think the risk is what we saw happen in GameStop. Um, there's just, I mean, everyone's just been fascinated by, by it, but there's a lot of, you know, there's some people who've made money and, and there's some short traders, you know, some professionals who've lost money, but there's also a lot of real people who've lost really mo- real money because they, it was so easy just to jump in when the stock was up close to 350, then it crashed down to 50 and that's, that's real people losing real money. So I think, you know, the, the ability to make those quick um, irrational decisions can be a negative. You know, one thing I just love is, um, you know, the ability to set up the apps on the phone. I, I did it for my niece and my nephew. They're 10 and 8. So every birthday and Christmas, as compared to just, I will phrase it as wasting a bunch of money on crap that they're going to use for 10 minutes and then not use after that. Um, my wife buys a little bit of crap, but then I take, well, cause she says I'm lame, but, uh, but, but then I take most of what we would have, you know, given them for gifts and throw it into a loved account. I think that love is like the affiliate of Robin hood for, uh, for, for minors. And then so at Christmas time, we were there picking out stocks together with them and I'm building some personal finance awareness. And a really neat thing that's happened over the last year is the ability to use fractional shares. That didn't used to be out there. So um, I, and I just learned about that when, it, when, when they were using Loved. I'd never really done it before myself, but it was like, you know, I, it's not like I'm giving them $3,000 so they can buy a share of uh, Amazon or, or whatever it's at. Um, but now they can just buy, you know, 50 bucks worth of Amazon shares and 50 bucks worth of something else. And uh, just to build their curiosity. And then when we get together, I'll, I just pull up my phone and I give them a little report to see how their picks are doing. And uh, theirs, are, theirs are doing better than mine. So I'm going to start listening <laughs> to them. So I'm getting two takeaways from this. The first is that it's never too young to start with doing this kind of stuff. And the second is that the cool uncles give investment money rather than toys to their nieces and nephews in, you in know, 2021. People, the rest of my family makes fun of me. But when these when these guys are 60 years old or maybe they'll cash it in. I think it's fantastic. House, yeah, they're, they're going to have a chunk of cash there. They're going to go oh, say yeah. thanks, Uncle Boz. And then I'm going to point at my wife. And what's Auntie Casey going to have to show but a bunch of toys that are at the bottom of a landfill? Um, Ooh, shots so fired. It's funny you say that. And interesting because... Your kids are calling you aunt and uncle, but no. Um, well, this is the niece and nephew who I'm doing like, that for. So yeah, we started doing the same thing um, with our nieces, my wife and I. Except for they're too young to understand stocks, so it is too young because they're not even one yet, or not even two yet. We did this before they were one, um, but we start just putting it into like a college savings plan for them, so that way they'll have it. And with like 529 plans now. You don't have to actually use it for college. Maybe if you wanted to use it for high school education expenses, you can. There's like a lot more flexibility with that. And worst case, they don't want to use it for anything. They pay the penalty and they still get the money out of it. You know. All right, Andrew, another question for you. You didn't know you were going to have to answer questions today. <laughs> Let's say that someone, when, when you were a newborn, had put in $1,000 into some sort of stock mutual fund for you. How much do you think that would be worth by the time you retired when you were 65? a single $1,000 contribution at birth to the age of 65. Yep. Mm-hmm. I would say between one and uh, 800,000 and $1.2 million. Wow. This, this dude's pretty smart. Well, that's very <laughs> so, specific. I like that too. Well, cause you know, well, he didn't, uh, it depends on what sort of rate of return you're going to get. Right. So if you go with a 10% rate of return, it's about a half million dollars. If you go with a 12% rate of return, it's about a million and a half. Right. So uh, depending upon whatever you think is fair, 
a sizable amount. So that's just an example of starting young. I also did, let, let's say that, that you start putting in $5,000 into an, an investment account at the age of 22. We've kind of, you know, that's one of the things I'm preaching is starting to invest in retirement right away. Start with five grand, about 10% of your salary. Ben, what do you think? If, if they start with five grand, increase it by a couple percent a year with raises, right? And let's say it, it earns a 12% return. That you might, maybe it's a little high, but the numbers get bigger, so it's more fun. All right, what, um, what are they gonna be left with at the age of 65? And they would put in five grand for 45 years? And then it increases by and a couple percent each year, yeah, just, just as raises, so. It, Four million bucks. Yeah, that would be eight million bucks, all that's right? That's pretty good. And, that, and that's very possible, right? Mm -hmm. It's just start when you get that first paycheck, you're coming out of college. Now, what I wanted to say is let's pretend instead that that person waited until they were 40, right? They say, I gotta wait until, I have more money. And uh, so at 40, they're going to start five grand, you know, increase by a couple percent a year, the contribution, and then get a 12% return. Instead of 8 million, how, how much are they going to have left? Mm, 2 million. Uh, it's going to be 1 million. All right. So merely by starting early, that 18 years, five grand per year, right? That's 90 extra thousand that you put in. It gives that final return $7 million more. It's pretty that's good. A, that's a return. You, so you guys are both talking about something that I think is really important, regardless of the economic circumstances that are happening or the impacts that we can't control on, on our personal finances. So obviously COVID and 2020 come to mind. After going through what is the most tumultuous year in recent memory for almost anybody and experiencing financial and economic impact that are completely unique to anything we've experienced before, what kind of guidance could you provide to reduce risk of getting damaged by economic downturns? That's actually a really good question. So with what Boz was talking about and showing us with the value of investing early, even in an economic downturn, assuming you still have your job, I think it is very important to continue participating in your employer's 401k or 403b, basically the retirement plan offered by your employer. And as an aside, so not necessarily in a downturn, but just in general, what I recommend is maxing out the match with the retirement plan from your employer. So if you put in 3%, the employer puts in 3%. So you kick in that 3% of your salary to max out the match. Then once you've hit that match, I think you should fully fund a Roth IRA, especially if you're going to be making more money later. But we'll talk about Roth with regular in a bit here. Um, and then once you've maxed out that Roth IRA, go back to that employer plan and just continue as much as you can essentially comfortable with. So anyway, going back to your discussion with like an economic downturn, how do you protect yourself from that? Number one, continue to invest in that employer retirement plan because when the market goes down, that's when you're buying things cheap. That's where you can see some of the biggest gains long-term. Um, number two, build up a savings cushion. Basically, enough living expenses to last you three to six months is what I usually see. You kind of adjust it for your personal tastes. Um, you can cut expenses only so much in a downturn. Say you do lose your job, you still got to live somewhere. You still have to eat something. You know, So having three to six months of regular living expenses saved up can really provide that cushion against the stress if you do lose your job while you find a time to make something work or adjust your lifestyle um, to, to survive. So those would be, I guess, two big pieces that I have. And I want so many that it's just this laundry list that it's impossible to keep up with. Yeah, personal finance, uh, 
uh, you know, people write about it or talk about it have been preaching about an emergency fund forever. And it was never more evident of that being needed than this year. And you know, they said three to six months. We look at what happened with COVID. I, you know, I think that standard's probably going to switch to six months, you know, at least. A lot of people, you know, the government had trillions of dollars of bails, bailouts, but it did not help everyone, right? So it, it helped uh, some people but not others. Uh, so just, I, I think maintaining that financial flexibility and also just a shout out, just loving what Andrew's doing right now. I mean, you got to have, have a network. I mean, your, your network can be great in these downturns to find jobs, to find people who are going to help you out. So get together with your fellow young alums, keep that network going so that uh, something like this happens again, you got people you can turn to. On, on a positive note with the downturn. So obviously it's not good with COVID shutting down a bunch of businesses and restaurants and things. Um, talking to some friends, what I've noticed, um, multiple people multiple people have said they've actually, if they still have their jobs, they've noticed actually the bank accounts kind of increasing more than they expected because they weren't able to go out to eat or they weren't able to go out to the bar. So it's almost raising awareness of where the money was really going, which you never want to have a downturn to make you do that, but always trying to find a silver lining in a situation um, to understand, you know, where is my money really going? Right. And with, with age, obviously where we're putting our money changes, right? Um, progression towards retirement changes as we move through different stages in life. You know, you have buying a house, getting married, kids, college savings, retirement. Um, what kind of guidance would you recommend for us as we go through these different stages in our lives and how we reassess our financial goals and plans as we hit each stage? Well, I think you probably just always have to look at what are what are your financial goals and how are you chipping away at each one of them? You know, Ben and I are in different stages. I'm uh, 48 what are you are you 32 You're, i thought you were 49 49 <laughs> you don't look a day over 45 though to be fair yeah but I mean, i'm 48 and my kids are uh just at the at the college age here and uh you know but is it 32 i'm 32, 32 and i just had kids yeah so like so, just brand new financial world for me yeah so he's got a you know it has a whole lot of different you know as far as educational goals you know, than, um, than I do that way. So, you know, maybe he stays here and maybe he gets a tuition break from the colleges, but I mean, a lot can happen in 16 years. So he's got to be thinking about how to sock aside some cash for that. You know, we're both in the, we're both young enough that we're going to be aggre uh, aggressively investing, I think, for retirement at the same time as well. Um, and we both are in homes. So we don't have to think about that. But I go back to when I was uh, you know, 22, and I got my first really good paycheck. And I just started crushing into my retirement account as much as I could. Um, I bought a an inexpensive car that I paid off as quickly as I could. And then I started trying to build up 20% um, for equity in a house. And then when I got to that position, then I was kind of established. I had the 20% equity in the house, had a car paid off, had the engagement ring paid off, and uh, it was starting to build up a nice retirement nest egg. So then I could just focus more long term. No, I like that strategy. And I actually followed something similar to that, where uh, when I first graduated college, I was used to a lower standard of living. You know, the college living experience isn't necessarily the same as my experience now. And right. so to just maintain that and actually a way that was a lot of fun. So I got an apartment. There were four of us in a three bedroom place, but that allowed us to save a bunch of money on the apartment. And then we were able to just plow a whole bunch of money into the retirement accounts and started mm -hmm. building up towards some of those financial goals. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, bought a house a little bit earlier, had equity in the house. 
And then um, recently, I were able to save enough medium term to buy that truck. That's my dream yeah. life is having a truck before the right. kids came, you know? Mm-hmm. And so now that um, having that awareness of the goals, so the long-term absolutely always retirement, always kicking in towards that as much as I can. And then once you hit that though, okay, house, truck, um, college education for the kids. I actually like to put charity in there. And Boz, mm-hmm. you actually do a great job of giving to charity, but building that into your financial goals, if that's something that's that you're passionate about. That's actually one of I, my top financial goals. And I mean, my, one of my role models is Bill Sexton. I you know wrote his memoir recently and uh, you know a couple of buildings, basketball arenas named after him here. But I mean, my goal when I talk about retirement is, you know, I, by the time I retire, I want to have several million dollars and I don't want it for myself. What am I going to do with it at that age, right? I, this, this should hopefully be seven five or later, but I can be enormously generous at that point in time with uh, scholarships and just other needy families and such. So I think that's a great point. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, Andrew, it all derives based on your goals, your objectives. So having that understanding of what do you want your life to look like, and then using the finances to help you achieve those goals and what your life looks like changes at the different ages. Right. And, and personal finance doesn't exist in a in a vacuum, right? What you guys are saying is exactly, I think one of the key points to take away is that contextual considerations matter and, and they change as you get older too. Um, and I'm gonna take a pivot here and we're gonna go back briefly to the pandemic, but I don't wanna focus strictly on on finances in, in uncertain times. I wanna talk about a post pandemic world. How do we reevaluate what our approach to successful wealth generation and sustainable financial health look like? And in particular, what still needs to be done on an educational level and a policy level to ensure everyone has an equal chance of attaining financial stability? I think equitable attainment of financial um, wealth um, and wealth generation has been a topic that's surged, especially in 2020, um, as as other areas of, of our economy have, have brought light to inequalities that are still evident. So if you could shine any light on how we can look at it in a post-pandemic world, but also on a on an equality level as well as we continue to move towards um, better access for everybody. You want me to jump in first? I can. You can go first. I have a yeah. couple of points I want to touch yeah. on. So. All right. You know, when I think about, I think the equality question is is a good one, and. Um, when I think about that, the different politicians have had different views on education and whether it should be free or what should we do with student loan debt. Um, I, I, what, I, what I'd really love to, to see it go for with policymakers is that anyone um, who's willing to work hard and, and try to succeed at college has the opportunity to do so and not have um, finances stand in the way that way. So I think that's going to be a really important thing as we push society forward. You know, do we make all four-year colleges free? I'm not going to go that far, but I'm going to say I want anyone, regardless of income, to be able to get that four-year education. And I want, I want to see our policymakers, uh, uh, I want to see them make that one work. And when we talk about policy, I was actually going to go more on like the financial policy route, and in particular, protections for young people or people in general, everyone who wants to invest and start saving. And what I'm talking about when there's so many, like you talked about earlier, the technology and financial products out there, um, helping people find the right financial plan for them, helping because everybody is different, right? And so creating um, a system such that like you don't have investor or uh, investment advisors that are paid based on commissions and oppose like making all investment advisors fiduciary. So they have to act in the best interest of their clients and creating some, I don't know what this policy looks like, but 
making it profitable enough for financial advisors to try and attract younger people so they can start saving early and take advantage of the compounding interest over time and creating policies that incentivize that type of behavior enough that everyone can take advantage of it and raise everybody up is kind of the, the goal. So Ben and Boz, you two spend a lot of your time, all of your time teaching and, and helping the next generations um, navigate their journeys through personal finance or become very successful in their own professions of accounting and finance folks. <laughs> I want to know what's next for both of you on a personal level. And two parts to this. What's next for you in 2021 as we're kind of getting into the groove of things? And what parting advice and resources would you want to give the people that are listening to this podcast? Oh, that's big. I don't know what's next for me. It's, a, it's an easier one for me on that one. Well, first of all, I don't want to say survive the rest of the semester, but I mean, it's, it's been a long year and we're giving it all we got to try to make this as normal as possible for the students and having a heck of a lot of fun in the process. But yeah, it's, uh, that's the focus is get uh, through the academic year. But, uh, but my big thing is I'm going to be coming out with a, a book this fall. I've, I've, had, I've published two books so far, first on John Gallardi, uh, our great football coach, and then second on Bill Sexton. I'm gonna have my first novel coming out this this fall, White Collar Crime. Johnny Fitch, a new start at a major CPA firm, uh, gets caught up in an insider trading scandal. There's your there's your tagline. So that's gonna be a fun one you hear about from Boz this fall. I like that actually. Mm -hmm. I am revamping the Honeybee Empire. My wife and I. That's part of the go. A couple new hives, new strategy for long term sustainable growth. Um, I'm going to run a thousand miles this year. That's important to me. I'm going to do a hundred push-ups without stopping. And <laughs> nice. nice. And, and oh, I had one more thing. I can't remember it right now. You keep thinking my, my I think my final advice that I'll give people is uh, just expand on this and take charge of be, um, your education as it relates to personal finance matters. So whether that's you regularly subscribe to a podcast, whether it's you read one of the books that we recommended, uh, whatever you're going to do, just start getting educated. And uh, because uh, you're, you're the one that's going to look out for yourself, right? Other people aren't going to do it. And there's some that would even take, take advantage of you if you don't know it. So maybe that's as simple as not just dumping off your tax information with an accountant, but trying to be part of that process this year and not just blindly, you know, giving money to someone to invest, but understanding why that's happening. So take charge of your education. I want to catch 500 bass. Was that your third thing? <laughs> that, that was my, my next thing. thing so. uh, <laughs> take charge of your education and catch 500 bass. Yes. Yep. Perfect. No, and that's, I like that. I think nobody cares more about your own personal finance than you right? You're the, you have the biggest, the most skin in the game because it is your life. I think and your so, parents might care more because if you screw it up, your parents are going to have to bail you out. But anyway, as your kids get older, you'll figure out. Yeah, that. I'm not there sorry, yet. Sorry maybe. to interrupt you. Maybe your, that's your kids it. kids are just precious um, right now. So. so do what you need to take, what you need to do in order to understand, develop goals for your own personal finance, and then achieve those goals. And once you have the plan, honestly, it takes away so much stress from your life. And then like COVID times, stress is for a lot of people at all time highs. And so if finance is one thing you don't have to worry about, you know, you're saving enough for retirement, you know, you're okay with your lifestyle. That just, it just 
I don't know, it makes every day you can focus on the things that you're more passionate about and finances isn't there kind of weighing you down. Yeah, it goes back to your guilt-free spending. You have a plan, you know where you're going. So if it's Andrew wants to swing out to the, the bar once, you know, that, that stuff opens up, he knows how often he can do it, you know, and uh, he can he can budget those in and go out and really, in, really enjoy it. Awesome. That's a great place to end. Ben, Boz, I want to thank you guys so much for coming on to the show. I had a lot of fun. And I think that there's a lot that the people listening to this podcast can take away. So I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into this episode of So What's Next. If you have any questions about this episode or would like more resources, please DM the Yak Instagram page and we will get in touch. We are a monthly podcast, so expect our next episode to come in the first week of April to hear us discuss entrepreneurship, developing leadership through authenticity, and building teams with CSB alumna Margaret Murphy. Over the course of this show, we plan on covering topics from business to personal health and everywhere in between, all with the intention of tying it back to you, the listener, and providing stories and answers that will better inform your next. Make sure you subscribe to So What's Next on your platform of choice and share it with your friends. We are looking forward to seeing you here next time.